It's three plus four is seven. <laughs> I started off with the sutra where Asmananda said that when monks and nuns come to see him and declare that they are enlightened, they say that they achieved an enlightenment through four ways or one of the four ways. And I said one is Samadha first followed by Vipassana. The second is Vipassana first followed by Samatha. The third is Samatha and Vipassana together. And the last one is none of the above. It's because the mind is seized by agitation regarding the Dhamma. And then after that the mind becomes composed. And then the path arises in that person. Let's look at how you practice with Samatha first and then switching on to Vipassana. For people who do focused awareness, for example, do Anapana or you do Metta or you do Chanarahan, Samasambuddho, if you just do that first, that is Samatha. That will compose your mind. When a mind is composed, then you start to look at Sankharas, view them as a Nichadukha, Anatta and so forth. That is Vipassana. There are some people who are more intellectually inclined and instead of starting with Vipassana, they have this idea of seeing things as causes and conditions or they see Sankaras as a Nisha Dukkha Anatta. They can somehow see that. But maybe it's not a very deep insight. They can still have some insight into that and because they see that, the mind calms down. That's where Samatha comes in. Why does the mind calm down? Because you see things arising and passing away due to causes and conditions and then you become equanimous. You begin to accept. And because you accept, naturally the mind becomes calm. And that's why it's composed. Second is, start with Vipassana and then it follows by Samatha. And then you will deepen the Vipassana because of the Samatha. The third type is you combine the two, coming back to the first one. When you're doing open awareness, the first part of open awareness of free and easy, touch and go, free and easy, touch and go, is just samatha practice. Because you're not investigating. Um, you see, I was saying, you don't try to identify what you see in the five senses. Because the moment you try to identify or recognize deliberately, then that will trigger off thoughts about what you see. Right not? We try to keep it like seeing is just seeing, hearing just hearing. You don't care what you see, hear or smell or taste. You just know that these things are happening. This is just to anchor your mind in the five senses so that it doesn't have a chance to go and think about the past or the future. So this is actually just Samatha. So you can achieve Samatha either through focused awareness or open awareness you still get composure. The mind, by composure, I mean the mind is now distracted by compulsive or obsessive thinking, thoughts and perceptions. After you do that, then I ask you to combine the two. You still practice open awareness, but then you incline your mind to verify the three characteristics and cause and condition. That is actually combining the two at that moment. It's both Samatha and Vipassana. It's also the same with uh, Mahasi method. Mahasi method it starts off with more or less samatha in the sense of 
watching the rising and falling. And then after that, whatever happens, you note, and then you come back, you note, and then you come back to your primary object. So this is also Samatha and Vipassana yoked together. But that one is more body-based. What I'm teaching here is more mind-based. I'm more interested in the mind than in the objects, because in the Masi system, they are more interested in the objects than in the mind. In the Masi system, for the mind, they always say, whenever you have any thoughts, you know, you should say thinking, 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 planning, 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 and then get rid of it, and then come back to your rising and falling to your movement and so forth. So the downside about that is that you disregard what goes on in our mind and you don't see cause and condition. Because they say that according to the Abhidhamma, these are not ultimate realities. All these are concepts. And concepts don't exhibit the three characteristics of Anicca, Dukkha and Nata. That's what they say. Your ideas, your beliefs, your decisions you made, all these, according to them, they are not Sankharas. But then, that's not how the suttas define sankharas. The suttas did not differentiate between ultimate reality and conventional reality. As you can verify through your own experience, your thoughts are also products of causes and conditions. You know, one thought leads to another, and your past conditioning leads you to have certain memories and thoughts and decisions. So they are also products of causes and conditions. So if you look at them in that way, then you can essentially see Anicca Dukkha Anatta and it can be more applicable to your daily life because your daily life is all about concepts. On the other hand, if you just say that all oh, these are all concepts, you should not pay attention to them. You just pay attention to ultimate realities, all the physical phenomena and then only mental states like anger, greed, hatred, delusion, liking, disliking and not the contents of that. Then what happens is that you may get spectacular insights when you are in a retreat. But when you go back to the world, you cannot get them again. Because in the world, you are dealing with concepts and conventional reality. You are no longer with ultimate reality. So now you got dichotomize or you split meditation. You confine meditation to just an intensive retreat. And then you can't do that in your daily life. Because you cannot see ultimate reality in daily life. You only see conventional reality. That's what cripples the effectiveness of the method. So that's why here I pay more attention to the mind. The objects of the senses are secondary. They are just a means to compose your mind. Once your mind is composed, then you look towards the mind to understand how it works. The fourth way in which people get enlightened, according to Asma Ananda, is none of the above. They didn't do Vipassana first. They didn't do Samatha first, followed by Vipassana. It was because the mind was seized by agitation regarding the Dhamma. The Dhamma here need not necessarily mean the teachings of the Buddha. The Dhamma could mean anything. The word Dhamma in Pali is equivalent to the word thing, T-H-I-N-G in English. It could mean anything. So you are seized by agitation regarding something. And then, at a later point, your mind comes down, it becomes composed, and then the path arose in him and he became enlightened. This person who became enlightened, he had samatha, but he didn't have vipassana before that. So this is an exceptional case. And this is probably what happens to a lot of people when they were listening to the Buddha giving their talks. Because they were not doing vipassana, they were not doing samatha. They were just listening 
And because they listen, their minds calm down. From there, they got enlightened. This is what I missed just now. I forgot to talk about this part. Okay, now questions. <laughs>